Hey everyone, happy Sunday. I'm coming to you this morning from Urban Joe's Cafe in downtown West Dallas, right on uh, near the corner of 70th and Greenfield Avenue. This is my favorite local coffee shop. I wish it was closer to my house. If it was, I would come here all the time. Uh, but I'm, I'm thankful for them for opening up their shop for me this morning to come and record this message. They're actually open, so you might hear a little bit of background noise here and there as uh, people come in and out for their coffee. This is a great place to get coffee. You can pick up a bag of ground coffee uh, for five bucks. Um, so I want to challenge you as we uh, continue to support locally owned businesses uh, during this time to skip the Starbucks this week, head down to Urban Joe's Cafe or another local coffee shop near you, and let's support, let's continue to support locally owned businesses. Um, and I got a secret, the coffee's actually better than Starbucks, so you won't be disappointed. Uh, today's message I'm super excited to bring to you this morning. It's something I'm really passionate about, and the title of today's message is Scattered. And before we get to uh, we get to the get to the idea of scattered, I want to talk with you a little bit about how to handle disappointment. And disappointment is something that uh, we're all dealing with right now, isn't it? Um, and if you if you aren't feeling disappointed enough, all you have to do is check out our uh, state and national headlines. In fact, I compiled a list of headlines for you that I want to share with you, and it took me all of five minutes to find these. I didn't have to dig. And uh, head, the headlines today are just disappointing. Uh, for example, uh, in the news this week, coronavirus at meatpacking plants worse than first thought. Big layoffs likely to hit state local governments as federal aid goes elsewhere. Oil prices collapse. Uh, the UN warns the world is on the brink of a hunger pandemic. The WIAA officially cancels all spring sports for the 2020 season. There were some tears shed in our house because of that one. Uh, Irish Fest is the latest summer festival to cancel in Milwaukee. The CDC warns of second deadlier wave of COVID-19 come winter. And finally, the Packers trade up to draft quarterback Jordan Love. There is no lack of discouraging news out there right now. And we all handle disappointment differently. Uh, some of us, some of us, uh, try to avoid it and we, we, we just stop looking at headlines uh, we get we take a break from social media and we just try to avoid it as much as possible uh, others um, find different ways to handle it they they might just get discouraged anxious or depressed and still other people uh, try to convince themselves that it's really not that bad you know the media is just feeding on our fears and blowing this whole thing way out of proportion and this is all just a big power play. The threat isn't all that real. But what did the early church do when they were confronted with bad news? What did they do when they were forced to stop meeting? And before we read about that today, from the book of Acts, I want to introduce you to a guy named Stephen. Now, who is Stephen? He, we learn about Stephen in Acts chapter 6 and 7. Uh, he is one of the seven key leaders, or deacons, sometimes they're called, who were chosen to take care of people in the church who needed food. And that was a lot of people back then because the church in Jerusalem was some several thousand people, and there were a lot of people who were going hungry. He, we read that he was full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. He was full of God's grace and power. He was preaching and debating about Jesus in public with all kinds of people. He was performing signs and miracles. And finally, he has the distinction of being the first Christian in history to be killed because of his faith. So here's what happened. Stephen had been persuading people to follow Jesus everywhere he went. He was 
telling people about Jesus all over the place, and the Jewish leaders were very threatened by this. In fact, they had already told and warned the apostles not to talk about Jesus. And some of the Jewish uh, leaders stirred up a protest against Stephen, and they had him brought before the Sanhedrin, which is the highest Jewish court. It was kind of like their supreme court. And they, um, they, they found someone to give false testimony about Stephen and say some things about him that weren't true. And, um, and so the high priest gave Stephen a chance to defend himself. And uh, for about a whole chapter, Stephen does that. And Stephen gives us one of the most powerful defenses of the Christian faith uh, that I think we have in the Bible. And the turning point of his message, he said this. He said, The Most High does not live in houses made by men. And he, he went on to accuse the Jewish leaders of being stubborn and hard-hearted. And when he was finished, they dragged him outside of the city and they threw stones at him until he died. And here's what happened next in Acts 8, chapter 1. And Saul was there giving approval to his death. And on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. This is good coffee. All right, up to this point, the church in Jerusalem had tons of momentum. New people were joining the church every single day. Everyone in the church was unified. There was no fighting or bickering or division. They met in homes in the temple courts. They didn't actually own a church building, but that didn't matter. They were constantly getting together. Uh, they were sharing meals together, um, having, sharing in the Lord's Supper, Supper, and building each other up in their faith. They were spreading the news about Jesus everywhere. Uh, and some were doing miracles, and people were turning to Jesus pretty much on a daily basis. And in the middle of all this was Stephen. And I don't know if they had newspapers 2,000 years ago, but if they did, Stephen's death would have made headlines. And the, the, the headline might have read something like this, Insurgent stoned to death for blaspheming the law of Moses. That's why he was executed. And this was a swift and devastating blow to the church and uh, it's so, so devastating that the church completely scatters and only the 12 apostles stay behind in Jerusalem while everyone else is scattered. The church was shut down. These Christians couldn't meet publicly anymore. They were forced to scatter and isolate and it wasn't because of a pandemic. It was because their faith posed a threat to the powers that be. This was, this was direct persecution. And this man, Saul, who we know as Paul, who later became an apostle, was dragging men and women. He was going house to house, dragging men and women off to prison and sometimes having them put to death. The Sanhedrin had already put a, uh, a strict order in place saying that nobody could spread this new disease called Christianity and talk about this, uh, this Messiah named Jesus. And already some of the Jewish leaders, the apostles, had been thrown in prison and beaten, and uh, now Stephen was dead. And if, if I'm a member of the early church, I'm thinking, who's next? Who's going to be next? Who's going to dare defy this order? And I, and I want to be clear about something. This is different than what we're going through today. All right, persecution in, in this context is when someone in power harasses someone else in order to persuade or force them 
to give up their faith. And this was so severe and intense that as a follower of Jesus, you only had one of two choices. You could either um, go to prison or you could get out of town. And so we aren't, we aren't being persecuted for our faith right now. Yes, we're being forced to shut down, but we're not being persecuted because of our faith. But we do have some important things in common with these early Christians. For example, their lives were being turned upside down. They were forced to stop meeting. They couldn't gather together anymore as a church, and they weren't prepared for this. And I'll bet that sounds familiar to you. That's exactly how we all feel right now. No one plans for their life to come to a screeching halt, but that's where many of us are right now. And it's a very hard place to be because we can't go back to the way things were. We're not really sure how to move on. And this is exactly where the church is after Stephen's death. Bad things happened and they weren't prepared and, and disappointments ruin our plans and catch us off guard and leave us feeling stuck. And we sometimes wonder, God, what are you doing here? What is going on? How could you let this happen? This, this was not part of the plan. I think we would all agree that disappointments and obstacles tempt us to shrink back and hide. But that is not what, the early, what these early Christians did. Listen to Acts chapter 8, verse 4, the next verse. Luke writes, Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. And then again, in Acts chapter 11, Luke picks up the narrative where he left off in Acts chapter 8. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. So this is important for us to see. These Christians did not go into hiding. They didn't stay where they were. They scattered, and wherever they went, they were talking to people about Jesus. And what are they doing exactly? In, in uh, chapter 8, it says they were preaching. And, you know, what do you think about when you hear about someone who's preaching? You think about a preacher, right? You, you're thinking, um, and you're probably thinking to yourself, that's not who I am. I, I'm, I'm not a preacher. But, but the Greek word here means just to simply evangelize. It means to tell a message. And that's what they were doing as they spread out. They're not preaching sermons. They're simply seizing opportunities to talk to people about who Jesus is and that he's alive and what he did. And not only that, but for the first time, and this is huge, in chapter 11, we read that the gospel is reaching Gentile cities, and not just any cities, Antioch. Antioch was one of the three largest cities in the world at this time, uh, next to Rome and Alexandria. And that means the gospel is about to explode. That's what happens in big cities. In big cities, contagious things spread. And the gospel has just arrived in a big city, and it's about to explode. And who is responsible for breaking through this enormous barrier? It's not the apostles. It's not the deacons. It's not the missions team. It's random, nameless Christians. These ordinary Christians are going around and talking to people about Jesus, 
and they aren't looking for applause. They're not looking for credit. They're not looking for recognition. You know, in an age where everyone seems to want credit for something new or big that they were a part of, these Christians broke through the greatest barrier in church history, and we don't even know their names. Why does that matter? You know, people often look at the church as an institution where there's this small, select group of leaders who do the work of ministry. They're the called ones. Like, they've experienced some uh, divine calling. And everyone else just comes and receives. You, uh, you come to church and you receive a blessing. You might receive a sacrament. You go there to receive forgiveness or to receive encouragement or to receive inspiration. And then you just go home and you live your life and, you, you know, you... You, uh, you try to get through another week until you go back and receive more. But that is not how the church was designed to work. There are leaders who are selected, but their job is not to fill you up spiritually so that you can just go home and then empty your tank and then come back to get filled up again. Their job is not to dispense spiritual uh, goods and services. No, their job, and my job, is to equip you for ministry. Our job is to build you up and send you out. Our job is to confirm your calling. Yes, you have a divine calling from God. And you have this message of hope to share with other people. And, and that's what God has always done. From the very beginning, we read about this through the entire Bible. Anytime God blesses or calls or fills a person with his spirit, he immediately sends them out to bless and call others. That's, that's what the church is called to do. A great church is not measured by its seating capacity, but by its sending capacity. I love that quote by J.D. Greer. And these men and women who are out there spreading the gospel in their communities, are, are, they did not ask permission from the apostles to do this. They just did it. And, and I love that. You know, we have a, a young woman in our church right now, Courtney Peterson, who many of you know. And when all of this stuff hit the fan back in um, the middle of March, uh, Courtney didn't wait for the leadership team to come up with some great outreach plan and to organize uh, an, an effort. She, like within a day, she called us up and she said, hey, I've got an idea. What, are we, what can we do for the students who live in the apartments next door to us? And she had this, this awesome idea. And we said, this is great. Let's do it. Let's just do it. And she did it. And she did it. And we simply confirmed that that was something that she had received from God. And we, and, and we have supported her in that. And she's continuing to be out in the community, uh, reaching people, blessing people, showing them the love of God as a representative of our church, but more importantly, as a representative of Jesus. And that's the kind of thing that everyone has the ability to do. Um, and, and sometimes the leadership team will, will organize st events and uh, initiatives and ask you to come out and join us and rub shoulders with people in our community right down right here in downtown West Dallas and uh, be a witness to people who are far from God but I want you to hear this this morning the best opportunities for us as a church to spread the gospel are right in your neighborhood and they're happening right now these ordinary nameless Christians used to be dependent on the apostles and the deacons to do a lot of the ministry and, and the preaching and the evangelism. And now they're on their own and they would never have discovered their unique power and gifts if this outbreak of persecution had not happened. They discovered that they have a story to tell and they have this life-giving message. 
of Jesus Christ, the righteous one, who lived and who died in our place and rose again to give us peace with God. And you have the same message today. You know, sometimes God will apply pressure to our lives and he will rearrange our lives in a way that we weren't prepared for, in a way that makes us feel uh, unsettled and maybe even unstable or discouraged. And, and you can, when that happens, you have a choice. You can shrink back, you can be controlled by fear, or you can share your faith. You can play it safe or you can take a risk. And I think this is a pivotal moment for our church and for every church. You know, whenever our state begins opening things back up again, and, uh, and I hope that happens soon, some churches are going to thrive and some are going to decline. And I know that's already happening, but this uh, coronavirus has accelerated all of that. And when things open back up, some churches are going to rush back to go, just to go back to normal. Let's just get back together and do exactly what we were doing before. Let's go back to what's familiar and comfortable. But familiar and comfortable is not in our mission statement. Our mission is propelled by movement, by gospel movement. And here's what I know. God's kingdom grows when God's people are scattered. Am I saying that physical gatherings won't be important anymore? No, of course not. They're going to be as important as ever. I mean, we all miss that. I can't wait to get us all back together again. I miss hearing you sing. I miss being together. I miss speaking to a live audience. I can't even tell if anyone's listening to me anymore. But what we need right now is movement. We, we, we need to see ourselves as a scattered church because that's what we are. And that's what God has done. And he's done it for a purpose. We need to embrace being scattered. We need to stop depending on our scheduled Sunday gatherings for God to move in us and through us as if God works on the same schedule we do. You know, being scattered is one of the best things that ever happened to the early church. And I wonder if someday we're, we would look back on this frustrating and disappointing season of our lives and say that this is exactly what needed to happen for our, for what our, is exactly what our church needed and what our city needed. Maybe this is what had to happen for God to take us from being just a church to being a movement so that more and more people could hear the good news about Jesus and be set free from their sin and experience a new beginning through faith in Jesus Christ. Listen, I know that some of you are afraid to talk about Jesus in public, but the gospel message was not meant to keep safe in a church building. It's meant for the city. It's meant for the world. And it's when the gospel is shared in the world that, that its power is unleashed. So as we scatter this week, will you tell one person about God? Will you talk to one person about Jesus, about our church maybe? And just invite them to consider that they need God more than they need anything else right now because you have everything you need to be a messenger. All it takes is faith. We look forward to being back together next week where I'm going to uh, be giving you part two of this message, Scattered, and I'm really excited about that. I hope this week, between now and then, you have an opportunity and pray for an opportunity to talk to someone about Jesus, someone who needs hope. Um, but you can stand up right where you're at. I'm going to give you the benediction this morning from Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where Jesus predicted uh, everything that we read about in Acts chapter 7 and 8. Here's what he said. 
to the disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Thanks again for joining us, and I look forward to seeing you soon.